only way to make everything else fade is to love Allah. Love's the on, love is the only thing that can make you selfless and sacrifice everything for your love and blind you to everything else. That's why Shaykh Abul Hassan, that's why he said, Man Allah, anybody who truly gains the love of Allah, he will not use his limbs except in that which will please Allah because you do everything for the sake of your beloved. Every breath of his will be consider, considered for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with an obedience. And the reason he's able to do that is because obedience becomes his food. Man. That's what he thrives on. He just, he just wants to get that next hit by expressing that khidma of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how he gets his dopamine rush. Ultimately, it's all about dopamine, right? If you Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Salatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran. Ila yawmiddin amma ba'd. Qala Allah ta'ala qad alima kullu unasim mashrabahum. وقال تعالى لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها وقال تعالى وما قدر الله حق قدره To continue with our series on Ibn Ata'illah's Book of Wisdom Kitab al-Hikam We find ourselves today page 126 Wisdom number 208 This is another take on the importance of time and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees time. That's, I think, what's important for us to understand that. What exactly is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's intent and objective of time? And does our understanding of time align with that? Because if it does, then alhamdulillah, then we can actually use it very beneficially and fruitfully, and it'll be an investment. And if we don't, then we're wasting a lot of time. I guess we know we're wasting a lot of time anyway. But this will at least, at least give us an understanding of what is expected. Because I don't think many of us know about this. I, I, I was certainly ignorant of this at one time as well. This is what he says. He says, حُقُوقٌ فِي الْأَوْقَاتِ يُمْكِنْ قَضَاؤُهَا حُقُوقٌ فِي الْأَوْقَاتِ يُمْكِنُ قَضَاؤُهَا وَحُقُوقُ الْأَوْقَاتِ لَا يُمْكِنُ قَضَاؤُهَا it is possible to fulfill some obligations at times. Uh, that's not a good translation. I think what he's, that's Victor Dennis' translation. It should be, it is possible to make up for the rights that are found and obligated to be done in certain times. However, it is impossible to fulfill the obligation of the moment itself. Uh, I'll explain that a bit more if that's still confusing. For there is no moment, he says, wherein Allah does not hold against you a new obligation or a definitive matter. So how can you fulfill someone else's obligation when you have not fulfilled God's obligation? Sounds a bit like a riddle. But what he's saying is that there are many obligations that we have that come upon us at certain times. So for example, it's Isha time right now. We've just performed Isha prayer. Had we missed it, we could have still made Qadha for it. There's people who have missed prayers. Um, 
they can make qada of it later. And at least it will be cleaned off the balance. So that's fine. If you have an obligation to be fulfilled at a certain time, I need to pay this bill. Okay, you might be late, but you can still pay it. Fasting in Ramadan, you're supposed to fast. But if you miss it, you can make it up later on and at least it's no longer in your balance. So any kind of obligations that are found within certain times, you can either fulfill them straight away or if you do them later, there'll be a bit of penalty maybe. It'll be disapproved. It'll be reprehensible maybe. But ultimately it's fulfilled and your balance is clear again. Back to zero. But what about the obligation of each time, of time itself, by the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us that time and He requires us to do certain things at every moment. How are we going to fulfill that? Because what He's trying to say here in brief is that, as I explained in the last session, that imagine our life as units. Break them down into as small as you want them. So in years, you can say 65 years, 75 years, 95 years, and break them down slowly into months, into weeks, into minutes, into seconds. As much as you want to break it down, every one of those moments have an obligation that is attached to that particular time from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the fact that He has given us that time. It's, it's heavy, it's difficult. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is gracious, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is compassionate, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is generous, Allah is clement and forbearing. That's the only way we survive, to be honest. And we can get some, hopefully some good treatment in the hereafter, otherwise we'd be in big trouble. So he says that every moment has an obligation attached to it. And the problem is that if you miss that obligation of that moment, you can't actually fill it in another time because that time already has an obligation. So when are you going to fulfill it? And how many of these units are we going to keep without fulfillment? And when can they be fulfilled? Because there is no time to fulfill them. It's gone, it's gone. So he said it's okay if you've got certain obligations that are there for certain times. Those are fine, they can be fulfilled even later. But these obligations, when are they going to be fulfilled? So then he says, uh, putting us on a guilt trip, simply, he says, if once you know that, as I said, we're, a lot of us are oblivious of that fact, but once you know that, then how can you be doing somebody else's obligation in the time when it's supposed to be Allah's obligation? Essentially, how can we be wasting time doing anything else that we think is an obligation, whether it is an obligation to others or whether it's just something that we feel we should be doing and wasting our time with in place of what Allah wants us to do. Now, with everything that's going on, there's no excitement in life right now. With everything that's going on with our brothers in Palestine, there's actually no excitement in life. You have achievements. It does not feel like an achievement because it gets dampened by the fact that so many people are being murdered. So, how do you deal with it? We're going off onto a bit of a tangent, but how do you deal with that aspect? How do you sleep at night? How do you still continue to eat? How do we still continue to function? Well, it's an obligation for us to function and to continue our lives. The world doesn't stop, unfortunately. So, we still have to continue our work and our da'wah and our survival and so on while being concerned. 
But what it does, what it has done, is the only thing that gives us any sense of accomplishment or that we're getting somewhere is if we're being productive. If we're just going to go about our normal daily routine at this point, that's not, we're not offering anything, we're not doing anything, we're not achieving much. We can't help there, we can't help here. We're useless. If this doesn't drive us to become more productive, that let me try to do something that will at least provide some other benefit, that will provide some other benefit. Let me, I mean, if you're a scholar, you're writing something, teaching something. If you're not a scholar, you're doing something, you're assisting someone, you're assisting a relief organization, you're collecting some money. You're studying to make yourself, uh, to make ourselves more, more illuminated, more enlightened, more educated, more closer to our deen. We're doing some more dhikr. We're doing some more Quran reading. We're doing some more Quran learning. We're starting some kind of Islamic learning discussions at home, going through a book with our family, taking a class. Doing something more rather than just the daily toil. How should these issues affect us? Our hands are tied. There's only so much that we can do. And there is no satisfaction. There is no happiness. There is no joy. The only thing that will bring us joy, to be honest, or at least some amount of joy, is that we're doing something at least for humanity, for Allah, for ourselves to be more prosperous. To be stronger in faith and stronger otherwise. Otherwise, otherwise, none of these things will matter. Otherwise, none of these things will affect us in any way whatsoever. If 15, 20,000 people dying and so many being maimed and so on doesn't affect us, then I don't think anything is going to affect us. If it doesn't make us change our life and be more productive. And that doesn't mean, you know, reels after reel after reel after reel after reel. Looking for that hope, looking for some bit of good news. It does get a bit exciting when you felt one bit of good news. But that doesn't help. What helps more is actually calling on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and making a difference. Making a difference by educating ourselves more and practicing more. Otherwise, how can you sleep? How can we enjoy our food and eat? So... Ultimately, it ties in with what we're speaking about today because it's about not wasting because our clock is ticking. Those units are just being used up. We're using and they don't roll over. They're just being used up. When the final time comes, the contract will expire, will be finished, will be gone. And we move on to the next life. There is another life to come. There is definitely another life to come. I was speaking to a guy called Espen, a Norwegian guy, on my flight to Norway last week. We just got speaking. And I said, look, ultimately this is what we believe in. Uh, we believe in an afterlife. That's why if it wasn't for that, we'd be really struggling. As I said to him, I said that if somebody has pain in this world for 10 years, 5 years, 10 years, lots of pain, miserable life. If you didn't have a belief in the hereafter, your life is messed up. Because it's your one opportunity in this life. There's nothing to come after it in your opinion. And it was messed up. Would you get out of that? But if you feel that every bit of patience, 
every bit of loss I'm going to be compensated for, I just need to be patient and steadfast and so on, then I get something out of that. Then suddenly your life just takes, even though you've got pain surrounding you, haunting you, but at least mentally you can deal with it. And you've got something to look forward to. That's an amazing faculty that Allah has placed in our minds that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us hope. Hope is a massive. Now, without paradise, what kind of hope do you have? Without paradise, what kind of hope do you have? Without the love of Allah and the care of Allah, what kind of hope? What kind of genuine hope do you have? Nothing. That's why those people survive. Ten family members die and they still got hope. They can still pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amazing. They can still keep it together. So, what's going on here is, he's saying the, there are two types of rights. One are the rights that are relate to a particular time, but they can be moved, and the other ones, as we said. So, he, that's what he explains. He says, the first group of rights that he's talking about, which happen in time, but they're not the rights of the time, they happen in time. That's every obedience that you have that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has fixed for a certain time, like the five daily prayers, the sunan mu'akkada, zakat, fasting. They all have in, within the year, within the week, within the day, they have certain times. If the time is missed, you can still make them up uh, later on. And while you're, going to be caught, while you're going to be considered maybe a sinner or negligent or uh, lazy or uh, a person with shortcomings and blameworthiness, but it's better to have made them up than not to make them up completely. Basically what he says is, At least some kinds of evil are better than other kinds of evil. They're lighter than other kinds of evil, so it's, it would be a worse evil not to make them up, right? However, he says, what are you going to do about the, the rights of the time itself that can't be done at any, cannot be made up at any other time? What is that exactly? What is, that, what, what is it that we're supposed to be doing at each moment in time? The fact that Allah created us and He sustains us and we owe Him everything completely, we should actually be considering Allah every moment. You might think, how do you do that? How do you think of Allah at every moment? But that's fine. That, that part is that at least we try, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will either make that possible or until then He may forgive us, at least if we're trying. But if we don't even know, did we know that's a responsibility that we should be actually diligent and trying to witness Allah and think of Allah at every moment? The fact that He's given us creation, we owe Him that. We never thought about it, did we? That, that's what I'm saying. At least that now that we know about it, our time has suddenly become more valuable. That's what he says. It is to be vigilant of Allah. Vigilant of Allah. Like that just means observing everything that He wants us to do for the, that each moment of time. That's what you call muraqaba, to be vigilant of what He wants from us. Or even better, if you can actually witness things that he is behind, that he is behind everything. <coughs> However, it makes it easier because Allah says in the Quran, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah doesn't create a burden on you more than you can bear. So that's going to be relative to each individual and how much they can know. But if somebody is completely devoid, they don't even know they need to do this, 
that's a big problem, isn't it? So thank the author that he's enlightened us with this, that at least we now know the obligation. Now, inshallah, we can at least try to fulfill it for that every moment, inshallah. He's saying that these are such rights that they don't have a qada. They missed, they missed. Because the second time that has an exclusive right fixed to that time, which doesn't have a space for any other for any other right to be fulfilled in it. So he says that there's every moment is wajib on you to be doing something for Allah. That, that, that means, just before you get scared, that what exactly does that mean and you give up? That when you're eating, you're still eating for Allah. I'm spending the next 10 minutes eating. But I'm doing it because Allah wants me to eat and look after myself and sustain and nourish myself, he created this food, or I'm eating because, man, I, I need the food so I can actually survive and do something and do my worship and so on. That, that's the right of that time. Literally just everything we do connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so we're fulfilling that for Allah. So it doesn't mean just sit back and do nothing and just think of Allah, because we'd kill ourselves if you didn't eat. That'd be a hunger strike. You're not even allowed to delay iftar in fasting. Fasting is only until sunset. And then after that, you know, as, as strong as you are or whatever it is, you can't carry on. It's makru to delay that. So every moment you need to be doing something for Allah and doing something that's going to be in the path of getting close to Allah or fulfilling an obligation of His or fulfilling... Uh, the rights of somebody else that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told you to fulfill and so on and so forth and so forth that's why then he says that if ma min waqtin yaridu illa walillahi alayka fihi haqqun jadid wa amrun akid because every new time that will now come upon you that is gonna have a new right associated with it or a matter a significant matter that is already found in there فَكَيْفَ التَّقْذِي فِيهِ حَقَّ غَيْرِي that's when he puts you on a guilt trip and says, how can you now be fulfilling the rights of others unless they're the rights of Allah, then they're rights of Allah. But how can you be fulfilling the rights of anything else and missing the right of Allah? You either make it the right of Allah for the sake of Allah or you don't do it. So you're sitting there wasting time with no justification. You're sitting there wasting your time with no justification. The justification could be that I am going to take these small breaks to just refresh my mind. To maybe look at a documentary. That could be a justification. You understand? But hours and hours and hours and hours of entertaining oneself to death. As humans have never done before in life. This is a modern idea of humanity. Right? Because before if you wanted to entertain yourself for five days straight. You'd need a whole group of people to play ball with you. Now you don't need it. You can just, there's lots of people online to do that. Lots of virtual people to do that for you. It's never happened in history. We're, we're in some really crazy times. We're in some really crazy times. He says, the Amrun Akid, this, what he calls a definite matter, that one is to basically get ourselves into an understanding that we are the slaves of Allah and He is our Lord, to be present of mind in that time. That's why, you know what? As I said, even tied to the current uh, situation, 
and, and just this in, let this be a time when we get ourselves. I mean, do we do anything beyond just go to work, come back, you know, hopefully involved with our family to do something? And the time, the extra time, like what are we doing in addition? Are we learning something new? Are we refreshing our understanding of our faith? Are we revitalizing ourselves? Are we assisting others? Are we doing anything for anybody else? Or minimum, make some money and, and, and spend it in the path of Allah. Do a business. It's better for you to go and sell something than to sit and waste your time on Netflix. Literally, go and do a business, start up a business on Amazon, eBay, whatever it is, okay? And sell something and then use that money. I mean, to use it on yourself, it'll still be better than wasting your time watching Netflix. Can you imagine how much money people could make if they just did a business instead of watching Netflix for all of those hours? You could have made tons of money, man. There's so much you can do. There's so much. You just have to ask Allah to open the path. There's just so much that we can do. So that's, that, that's, that's the point that there is a matter that is related to each time, which is that you need to understand that you're a slave of Allah. Are you understanding you're still a slave of Allah and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we, we have to fulfill the rights of His Lordship. So if you're going to become heedless, he said, from that new responsibility in that time, or from your occupation of that new time of understanding you are the slave of Allah, and the second time comes in, that's it. You can't do it anymore. How many times in the, in the hereafter, in our records, how much time is going to be counted as a waste and how much is going to be productive? That's a good way to think about it. So that's, that, that's the, the hassle here is that every time has a right, every moment has a right, and if it goes, there's no qada of it, there's no makeup of it. And that's why, the, that, that's why they basically say, with regards to ethics, Islamic ethics, is what exactly is Sufism and tasawwuf? What exactly is that? He says, anfas. Ultimately, when you're in the path of uh, trying to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what you're really trying to do is you are trying to record every breath of yours that it's spent for the right reason. Every breath of ours is contributing, is contributing to something good. Wahifdul hawas. Dabtul Anfas, this is somebody's summary of what spirituality is, is Dabtul Anfas wa Hifdul Hawas. Is to record your breath and maintain that every breath, there's something good happening in there or something positive. And protection of our limbs. Protection of our limbs. That's ultimately what the awliya are striving for. And that's when they become wali of Allah, when, they've, when they have just about mastered that. that that's what we're trying to do. He said, your breath are literally the little moments that are ticking by. And uh, the way you're going to inhabit those moments and those breaths is by doing something good, positive, productive. Uh, Sheikh Abul Abbas Al-Mursi said, uh, humans have four types of times. Four types of states of time that, you know, any moment of our life, there's, we're going to be in one of these four situations, right? We're going to be in one of these four situations. There's no fifth possibility. It's going to be one of these four and Allah has given us something for each of these. That if we're in this particular state, this is our response. If this, then this should be our reaction. Um, the first of them is that we're going to be ni'mah. Uh, 
the first two options is either you're going to be enjoying a bounty or a gift or a, uh, some kind of joy is going to come over you, right? That's the first one. We're always in between these two, right? The other option is that we're going through some test. We're going some, through some, some really difficult time, some adversity, some shortcoming, some weakness, some setback, some disaster. It's going to have to be one of those. And this world is going to be full of disasters, by the way. Anybody who thinks that they can pass this life without disasters, they, 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 they're not in the real world. Nobody, including the Prophet ﷺ, had a time in this world where there was no disaster completely. Where there was no chaos, no anxiety. Prophet's life was full of anxiety. It's just what Iman does is it gives you an ability to deal with it because the hereafter has no anxiety. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. You just you have difficulty, but you've got something greater to look forward to, so there's no. So anybody, everybody is gonna either be enjoying some kind of prosperity or they're gonna have some kind of difficulty that comes about. If that means a messed up bill that you have to be on the phone with the company for to try to sort out, or something as crazy as that. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be some kind of difficulty. Or your car's sensor stop working. So you have to take that. Um, your car doesn't lock anymore. Anything. Anything. And then the second two, he says, is ta'atun or ma'siyatun. You're either going to be in a state of obedience or you're going to be in a state of disobedience. So these are the four states he talks about. You're either going to be enjoying something, uh, meaning a bounty of Allah, not your own enjoyment of something haram. We're talking about you're going to be in some kind of joy from Allah uh, in general or you're going to have some kind of difficulty. And the third one is that you're either going to be obedient to Allah in that moment or you're going to be disobedient. So the last two, they can mix with the first two. So you could have a calamity and be obedient or disobedient, or you could have a bounty and be obedient or disobedient. So those two work in tandem with the other two. Right? These are the four. Yeah, I mean, is there any, any case out of this? Yeah, the adversity doesn't have to be so bad. It can be worse. There can be stages of that, but it's still going to be on that spectrum. Or it's going to be joy at some level, something that really excites you and something that excites you a bit. So ultimately, it's just these four options. There is no fifth option at all of how we're going to be. So then he says that, look, in each one of these four states, a person has a, a right associated with it, a responsibility, you can say. So he says, when you're, when you're enjoying some kind of enjoyment, whatever it is, minor, major, great, exhilaration, just the basic, uh, mashallah, today was a good day, Whatever it is, our job in that time as a believer for the sake of Allah in that moment is a shukr, is to thank Allah. Which literally means that you're remembering Allah, that thank you Allah for this. Can you see how we're going to understand how every moment has something that we can do? So if it's a good moment, thank you Allah. My heart is just full of thanks for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's your, when the heart wells up in gratitude, even if you don't say it from your tongue, the heart recognizes. You know when somebody does something really good for you, you might not say anything to them, but your heart just remembers that forever. It just wells up with gratitude. And it could be that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, whenever it's a difficulty, somebody's let you down, somebody's messed you around, somebody's causing you hassle, your neighbor's causing you want to do some building work and your neighbor's just causing you hassle. 
right? Your spouse is causing you a problem, your children are causing you, your father's causing you issue, your mom's causing you issue, whoever it is. What's our job in there? Sabr and patience. Because remember, ultimately all of these things, they come to an end. The night ends and the day comes and the brightness of day comes, the nightmare ends. And sometimes if you're just too enjoying yourself, unfortunately the day has to also end, night comes sometimes, right? So then, and then he says, the third one, which is when you're in obedience, what should you be doing then? Well, you should be saying that this is a bounty of Allah, that Allah is giving me this ability to do this. And what is our right and responsibility when it's a ma'siyah, when it's a disobedience? Then it is essentially getting back to Allah, trying to uproot it, trying to get away from it, and then going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking for forgiveness. That's our responsibility in disobedience. So we could end up doing something we don't want to do, but then we have to correct it. And the correction is by seeking forgiveness. That's our four responsibilities. What are you in right now? Are you in a time of enjoyment? Are you in adversity? Are you in obedience? Are you in disobedience? And let's fulfill the responsibilities for that. That's why the, there's a hadith that's related. I wasn't able to find out the exact uh, status of this, had, uh, of this, what he calls a narration, but it's very interesting. Man Whoever is given something, uh, gains some kind of bounty, and he's thankful. Or is tested, but then he's like a rock. He stays clear and re realizes that ultimately Allah wants me to get somewhere and wants to make me strong and people are messed up anyway or whatever, you know, and stay strong and does sabr and patience. Or when they're oppressed, they forgive for the sake of Allah. When they're oppressed, something wrongs them, they forgive. And the last one was he makes a sin, commits a sin, does something wrong, but then seeks forgiveness. And then the Prophet according to this how he said, he, he didn't say anything. He said, whoever does these four things, and then he stopped. One of those pregnant pauses. So then they said, Malahu ya Rasulullah, tell us, tell us, what does this guy get who does this, who fulfills this? These are the people who will always remain safe. And they're the guided ones because they know what to do. They're the guided ones because they are doing what Allah wants us. So Allah is going to send trials our way. He will send some joys our way. He will send some anxieties our way. And we may fall into some disobedience. And, if we, and Allah give us tawfiq for obedience. It's just we, know, we should know what to do in all of these cases. So they have aman and safety in both worlds. The hereafter for sure. But in this world, because they've managed their mental stress, they've managed their whole psychological aspect of it, they don't break down and not get depressed. I was just reading a, a clip, uh, sorry, a blurb from a book that's been published recently by a, uh, by a convert who... Uh, who Reason, he said when he came into Islam after studying it he says most of my depression went away most of my depression went away lots of things started making a lot more sense so it, a lot of the time our um, 
a lot of the time our stresses and our what you call a lot of people when people are depressed they say you should do more dhikr now dhikr is always helpful but I don't think that's always the remedy you know what the real remedy is you need to understand Allah then your dhikr makes a lot more sense and then you know why things are happening if your philosophy is wrong your dhikr is going to have some benefit but your whole mindset is wrong I think the real what you should really be telling people is you need to read this book you need to read Ibn Ata'illah telling us what exactly Allah wants and how exactly to worship and why he does things why he withholds things why he gives things what does he want from our worship when you get that mindset right then it makes life much easier rather than just dhikr dhikr with ilm with knowledge proper understanding is what really gets you somewhere are willing to give more sacrifice than somebody who has no understanding. It's like, why should I be doing that for? Why should I be dying for that? But if you have the cause and you know and you've been taught the right understanding, you can do anything in this world. So that's why I said Allah subhanahu uh, that those are the people who, are, who have safety in, in both worlds. They're guided in this dunya because they've been guided to deal with it in the right way. That's very important. You know, if we could know what to do, the correct response to everything that happens to us, how wonderful that would be. If we knew in hindsight, like, you know, what the future holds, what's the best approach. Should I marry this person or not? Should I do this business or not? Should I move here or not? Should I purchase this product or not? Should I say this or not? If we just knew that would make life would become a lot more easier. Okay, now he's clarified something which we, I've already kind of clarified it because I didn't want to scare you. But he says that, look, know that for us to fulfill the right of every moment of time for Allah, that is just about impossible. Like it is extremely difficult to do that. Every moment, we never get distracted. Only the Prophet could do that. That's why when he came out of the, after using the toilet, he would say, Ghufranak, Ya Allah, forgive me, I wasn't able to remember you actively. He just felt that deprivation even for that moment and he would come out and say so. But according, for the majority, he says, it's just well nigh impossible. That's why Allah says, that, that's why Allah says, Wa They've not been able to fully, fully understand Allah's position. They, they can't fully fulfill that obligation. They've not been able to fully devote themselves to the right of Allah's devotion. Without Him, we wouldn't be here, so we owe Him every moment of our time, and that's even less, if you think about it that way. So He says that when these, these particular rights and responsibilities and demands of those times are impossible, and they don't have a possibility of being fulfilled afterwards, because they're all about every moment, every moment of our breath, then the people who will be successful in this regard will be, as Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah will particularly choose people with His mercy, whoever He wishes. May Allah choose us. Because it's very difficult without that. Can you imagine it? Trying to actively do that. If Allah puts us on, 
Chalo, you know, that, that's what you're going to do. Then it becomes easy. Then it's just, alhamdulillah, everything we do is with Allah. But if we have to actively, but the only way will, Allah will choose us if we actively show Him we want it. We didn't even know this existed. We don't even know it's an obligation. Where are we going to get? Thank you, Allah, for allowing us to learn this today. The Shaykh, um, that, that's why some people are able to say, and I, there's a lot of people who are able to say this, but um, not too much. You don't meet these people too often, right? One of them said, For the last 20 years, he can say that only for the last 20 years. Last 20 years, nothing besides Allah has ever occurred in my mind. What a state. No misery of this world. He's just so in tune with Allah that whatever happens in it, he's still living the world, they're still meeting people, they're still eating, they've still got family, but the focus is all for the sake of Allah. Then Shaykh Abul Hassan said, Man ahabba Allah, lam yasta'mil jawarihahu illa fima yuwafiku mahboobu. Yuwafiku mahboobahu actually. He's telling us how to do this. The way to get through to this is to increase your love of Allah. Because love is the only thing that will blind you to everything else. When you love something, whether that's a car, you don't want to see any other car. When it's a woman, like for a man, then you don't want to marry anybody else. Right? If it's a man for a woman, you don't want to marry any, is that That is it. There are no other fish in the sea at that time. You become blinded, right? If it's a particular car or a bike, that's it. Khalas, that's what it is. Right? Whatever you're interested in. Right? So... The only way to make everything else fade is to love Allah. Love's the on, love is the only thing that can make you selfless and sacrifice everything for your love and blind you to everything else. That's why Shaykh Abul Hassan, that's why he said, Man ahab Allah, anybody who truly gains the love of Allah, he will not use his limbs except in that which will please Allah because you do everything for the sake of your beloved. وَأَنْفَاسُهَا وَأَنْفَاسُهُ كُلُّهَا مَحْفُوظَةٌ Every breath of his will be consider, considered for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with an obedience. And the reason he's able to do that is because obedience becomes his food. Then. That's what he thrives on. He just, he just wants to get that next hit by expressing that khidma of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how he gets his dopamine rush. Ultimately, it's all about dopamine, right? If you look at it that way. So if we can get our dopamine with Allah by doing those next two rak'ats, or by doing something for the assistance of Allah, helping somebody for the sake of Allah, that's it. We've just replaced our dopamine. I don't need to do that anymore. And they're saying that there's such people that if they ultimately cannot fulfill the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they would probably die. Because that's their food ultimately. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. That was a bit heavy today, right? Because it seems so difficult to attain. But Allah can make whatever He wants easy. And it always starts from learning about it. You can't get and attain something unless you know about it. Anything in this world. You never become professional at anything until you first learn about it. Then you take baby steps and then you get there. So at least we know about it now. May Allah reward the author. May Allah reward all of those who have made this, uh, facilitated this for us. Wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.
اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام وتبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا الله سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جزا الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله يا غفار يا فتاح يا ستار يا حفيظ يا سلام يا الله مسيونس يا الله مسيونس يا الله اكسبتس يا الله ميكس فيجيلنت Ya Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. Grant us true understanding of what's required from us. O oh Allah, make us your true servants. O oh Allah, make us the way you want us to be. O oh Allah, relieve our brothers. O oh Allah, relieve our brothers. O oh Allah, deliver our brothers from there. Grant them their humanity. Grant them their dignity. O oh Allah, grant them their honor. O oh Allah, grant them their honor. O oh Allah, grant them their freedom. O oh Allah, grant them success. O oh Allah, grant them success. O oh Allah, grant them success. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, protect them from their oppressors. O oh Allah, we ask that you make us productive individuals. O oh Allah, you allow us to learn a lesson from this so that this burden and this punishment does not, that this does not become a punishment for us. O oh Allah, allow us to become productive and useful individuals to fulfill the obligations of every moment of our time. Oh Allah, we know it's difficult. Oh Allah, we know it's difficult. Oh Allah, assist us in this regard. Forgive us our lapses, our many lapses and our many transgressions. Oh Allah, forgive us our heedlessness, our negligence. Oh Allah, our doing so many other things in the time that we should have been focused on you. Oh Allah, Oh Allah, only you can forgive us. Only you can forgive us. Only you can forgive us. Oh Allah, remove the difficulties that are in our path. Remove the hindrances, the shortcomings, the setbacks, the problems, the obstacles. Oh Allah, allow our work to be completed, our deeny work to be completed. Oh Allah, for this masjid and for all the other masajid and our white thread hub as well. Oh Allah, all the obstacles that are in our path, oh Allah, remove them. Oh Allah, allow us to be, uh, allow us, allow it to be, the work to be completed quickly, so we can benefit more people. Oh Allah, accept from us. Oh Allah, accept from us. Oh Allah, accept from us. Oh Allah, all other difficulties we may be going through, whether that be to do with our businesses, our work related, our family related, our health related, or whatever it may be. Oh Allah, remove these issues. Grant us a true understanding of these things, so that we can bear it better. And O oh Allah, grant us the ability to thank you for all the good that you do. O oh Allah, and whenever we're struck, O oh Allah, we ask you for afiyat. But O oh Allah, whenever we're struck with something, O oh Allah, we ask that you allow us to be steadfast and patient. And O oh Allah, that we are fully and always in the state of obedience. And O oh Allah, forgive us all of our states of disobedience. O oh Allah, bless the author. O oh Allah, bless all of our shaykhs and mashaykh and teachers until up to the Prophet وسلم, and allow us to be in their company in the hereafter allow us to be useful and productive people assisting the ummah and humanity for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun al mursaleen walhamdulillah the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act to get further an inspiration an encouragement persuasion the next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. 
Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.